0: I had asked several questions last week and I'd like to ask those questions again because I didn't really address myself to those questions. I want to ask those questions again, I want to ask some more questions and answer those questions and that'll sum up, uh, well that'll actually end last week's share about Odomarushan. The first question is what exactly was the Nisoyim of Odomarushan? What was his sign? What was the conflict? What was going on? In his mind, uh, Bishas he was tested in terms of eating of the tree of good and evil. Eitzadas What what exactly was he undergoing? The second question is that which Adam Rishon was undergoing. Is that his peculiar conflict, his peculiar nisayin, or is that somehow a prototype of every nisayin that every individual goes through? Is that a universal conflict? The third question is, Khazal say that Rishon minhoyor, that Rishon was a, uh, an atheist, a min. What exactly does that mean? It's very hard for us to understand what it means by Rishon minhoyor. Min, uh, that Rishon was an atheist. What exactly does that mean? We, of course, know that Rishon was not an atheist. So what does that really mean? The fourth question is that the Yed Zahara who is represented by the Nachosh exactly what was its method of tempting Chava and of course Adam what method did it use to do the actual temptation what was the actual uh, side that presented that would try to get them eating from that tree the fifth kasha is that the way the eight attempted tempted Odom Rishin previously, is that merely peculiar to Odom Rishan? Is that really the way he tempts everybody, the same modus operandi, same method of conduct, the same way he operates? Is that a universal method of operation? That's the uh, fifth Kasha. The sixth Kasha is what exactly is meant by Eitz-Hadas tevara, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did Adam not have before the Chet? He didn't have this tree of knowledge of good and evil. He didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. And now what does exactly does Odom Rishon now have? What knowledge of good and evil does he now have after the Chet that he didn't have before the Chet? The next question, the seventh question, is that how does this tree give Odom Rishon that knowledge? Was it something intrinsic in the tree? Was it something... Outside the tree, how did how does a tree give Odomimion that kind of knowledge? Especially when Chazal say that is a if it was a fig tree or whatever. When obviously that kind of a tree is a regular tree. So the question would be, of course, is how did the tree give him that knowledge of whatever he had attained? And the eighth question is, <clears throat> how do we see all the Shurim? Until now, I've given all the Shurun on the requirements of Olim Hazer and also on the entire psychic apparatus of man, how do we see all that culminating in admiration, as making it possible for him now to do either a mitzvah or a chet? How do we see that? Those are eight questions, and I want to try to answer all eight questions based on the principles that we learned last week, and of course on many ideas pre- presented previously. Now, the question of what was the Nisayn of Odom Rishon, We begin to see that what the Nisoyin of Odom Rishan, what that was, again, is what we've been greeting uh, 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 the whole time. His Nisoyin was to believe in himself as a true being, independent of the Rabbani Shalom. That desire that he had to assert or confirm himself as a true being, besides the Rabbi Islam was his Nisayan. the Emmerishan has a taiva. And what is that? To somehow experience a feeling or a belief of self. And he's presented with a wherewithal. The Nachish comes over to him and says, Look, I have a terrific way that you can be like God. the yisim kim. have a terrific way. I will show you the source of power that the Rebbeinu Shlom got his, you know, it's the source of power that whereby he got all his powers, and therefore you can also be like God, you know, you also can be a true being in your own right, completely independent of the Rebbeinu Shlom. You will exist in your own right. You will be a true cause. You really will really be able to get things done. The cause will be you, will be the cause, not the Rebbeinu Shlom. You will be a real power besides the Rebbeinu Shlom. This is what the Nochash is saying to him. And that was his temptation, tremendous temptation, to be a real being besides the Rebbe Shalom to war with God, to di- to dispose of, to to, to displace the Rebbe Shalom with the self. This is the perpetual nisayin, or this was the nisayin of Adam Rishna. And of course, the Nochosh addressed himself to Adam Rishnah in first Chava that way, Yisim Kelokim and so on, ki the knows that the day that you eat it. Your eyes will be open, and you'll be able to create worlds like Rashi says and so on. So this was the Nisayin of Adam Rishon To be or not to be in that sense. To be a real, true being independent of the Rav Islam or not to be that. And of course, Adam Rishon had that desire, that urge to be, to affirm or have a feeling of self independent of the Rav Nishlam. This was his Nisayin. On the other side, he was supposed to have realized that first of all with his own chokma and the fact that he was created after everything was presented, that he was created after the world was here, he should have realized that the tree is not the source of power of the Rubani. Islam. the tree is not an independent being existing outside of God and giving power to the Rubani. Shalom number two, that there is no alternative direction eating from the tree, there is no such thing It's that God is telling them, don't eat from the tree because my way is superior. There is no other way. And if the tree is there, it's only because God Himself created an alternative direction that you should think exists by itself. And therefore you should say, well, there's a good way and a bad way. There's God's way and there's also eating the tree. The truth is there is no bad way. There's no other way. And that is Yonisoyim that you have to realize that there is no other way than what the Rabbanistan was with And if there looks like a negative way, it's only because God himself created that negative way that you should realize it's nothing, reject it, and choose only Toyev. So you should have realized the second thing, that there is no such thing as an alternative direction of eating from an Eitz Adah, That itself was created by the will of the Rabbanistan. And the third idea is you should have realized that he is not an independent being, a, a being on his own right, a self, whereby he could say, I want to do what I want to do. I want to assert my will, and that is to eat from that tree. He should have realized that also. In other words, instead of realizing, يَيْشَيْ مِلْوَادَيْهِ He should have realized, اَنُوِيْ مِلْوَادَيْهِ This was the fundamental nisane of Odom Nishin. And unfortunately, of course, for himself and for all of mankind, he didn't. He chose to choose the direction of Yeshed Milvadoi, he believed in Nohosh, that there is something to he himself, and that was the Chet, that he believed himself to be somebody independent of the Rabbi Ishla. This was is his sign and that was his Chet. Next question, is this the prototype to all man? Is this the universal Nisoyen? And the answer is yes. The universal Nisoyen is always, do you think you're somebody, therefore you want to do what you want to do, and not do the mitzvahs of the Rebbe Islam? Or do you feel really that you're really nothing? There's enigma vadai. like Moshe Rabbeinu said, V'anachmu more, what are we? Nothing. Therefore you'll do the tzivvahy of the Rebbe Hashanah. In other words, are you going to say, Enigma and therefore do the mitzvahs? Do His will? Or are you going to say, Yeshed Do your will, because you also exist, independent of the Rebbe Hashanah that is the fundamental nisoyin of all uh, human beings it exists every time you are confronted with a nisoyin but of course as I'll show by the 8 Sahara the 8 gets you, he leads you down different roads to fall into that nisoyin but the fundamental drive in man is to be an independent being that is the fundamental sign of all and that's exactly what Adam had what he had is no difference, no different than what all human beings have every time they're confronted with a self-assertion, assertion of their will versus an assertion of the Rabboni Shem's will, period. That is the Nisoy, and that is a universal Nisoyin for all men. Now we understand what Chazal means, when Chazal say, Odomish in Minhoyo, that he was a Min, we understand not that he was a Min, there's two things, there's a halachic Min where somebody believes For instance, that there's more than one God or he doesn't believe in God. These are all atheistic, right? Some atheistic beliefs. In other words, whenever you negate some aspect of the true nature of God, you are a min. That's what a min is. A min is that individual that negates, conceptually, that's what a min is. Some aspect of the true nature of the rabbinical. And since Odom Rishan negated the aspect of the nature of the Rebbein of Enei Milvadoi, he chose to believe that he was something also, therefore he is saying, Yesheed Milvadoi, he's negating some true fundamental aspect of the Rebbein therefore he's a Min. So therefore what Chazal is saying is that, Odomish, Minhoya, that the Nisoyan involved the concept of Minus. that's what the Nisoyan involves. Are you going to negate the fundamental aspect of the Rebbein of Enei Milvadoi, and you're going to believe the Mavaday. And that fundamental aspect of Minus is present in every Nisayn of every human being that lives. Adam Rishon Minhoyah, call Adam Minhoyah. Every person is a Min whenever they do the Rabbi Because what they're really feeling and believing is that they are somebody independent of the Rabbi Yislam and they, they, therefore they can live in accordance with their will. So Adam Rishon Minhoyah means that the fundamental conflict was an issue of a Minus. Not haloch Minus, because it's not that Odomishim believed that there was no God, Chas there were many gods, no! But any denial in some fundamental characteristic of the Rebbein Shalom is a Minus <coughs> of some sort. And that's what Chazal means, that his fundamental conflict was a conflict over Minus, and the fundamental conflict of all men, since Odomishim was the prototype, is always a fundamental idea of Minus. That's what it's meant by Adam Rishon Min hoya. The next question of how does the Sahara, how did the Yitzhah tempt him? Well the Yitzhah tempt tempted him of course by telling him you see that tree that tree can work miracles for you. And of course we all know as we'll see that the tree was completely powerless to do what the Yitzhah said it could do. He tempted it by the Yitzhah tempted Adam and first Chava by saying that you're seeking a certain desire to become like God, right? I will give you the wherewithal. I will show you how you can do it. That you can actually become an independent being, equal to the Rav Nishlalem. There was the had that taiva, that urge, those needs and drives. And there's Yetzirah in the form of the says, I'll show you how you can do it. So therefore, he was inclining him. He was showing him, I've got the answer for what you want. If you eat from this tree, you will be able to come, become what you want to become. And that is an equal to the Rabbani Shlomo. That's where the Yitzhahar told him, okay. And the question was, the way the Yitzhahar tells the Harishin, what tempted him, is that the way he tempts, tempts everybody? And the answer is yes. Everybody has a drive to equal God. Man is born... Trying to, feeling omnipotent, warring with God, always trying to assert himself. So the eight Sahara says, look, I'll show you how you can do those things. And if you recall, he gives you four different things. He gives you the, the urge for pleasure, the urge for productivity, the urge for power, and the urge for potency. As if you recall, the, all the shurim on the eight Sahara. And he says, those are the means by which you can establish a sense of self, a feeling of self and therefore you can truly believe you're somebody. Now, this tr- is the way the eights are tempted Odom and the truth is that this is the way it tempts all people. Just like the eights Hadass Tevrah is powerless really to do that, it's an illusion. There was nothing in the eights uh, eight Hadass Tevrah that could give Odom those powers at all. It was merely placed there as an Isoyan that he should overcome. The Yitzharah does the same thing. He says, look, if you go to war with other nations, and you achieve power, that proves that you're somebody. If you build great buildings, achievement, that proves you're somebody. If you exercise your being and experience pleasure, that proves you're somebody. If you have a lot of wealth, and therefore you, that proves that you can do anything you want. He does the same thing, but the truth is, it's all illusions. It proves you're nothing. Because the one who gives you the ability to do all those things in the first place is the Rabban Hashem. Karikhav Yitzim yodi Rabban says, only the Rabban gives you the ability to us as a Only Rabban gives you the hatsloch and the ability. So just like the Sitra Achor in the form of the Nochosh approached, or the Yitzahara approached Adam and said, you can be an independent rival and equal to God by this method called a tree, he does that with us also. You can be a rival to God, you can have a sense of self and a sense of tremendous feelings of omnipotence and being by doing these methods. But just like the tree was an illusion that it wasn't anything that could provide Adam with a sense of self, the same thing, all these ways, the urges that the Sitra Akhra gives you is also an illusion. It also provides you with nothing. Because in the end you're still the nothing that you were in the beginning. Because if a person would be able to prove himself that he was somebody by conquest, then he, would, he wouldn't have to conquer all the time. If Alexander the Great could have realized that, he wouldn't have to conquer the whole world in order that he should get a sense of power. Because the truth is that all those methods are illusions. They give you nothing. They give you a temporary sense of self and then you're not sure again and you go, and do it, you go back and do it right over again. Because you're really never sure. And the answer why you're never sure is because, because it really gives you nothing. Somehow, intrinsically, you know that it can give you nothing. It gives you no, It doesn't give you a sense of self that you really need. So we see that we see how the Yetzirah Sahara as a Nochash, addressed himself to Adam khava and, and we see also that the same way he fools them, he fools us all the time by giving us methods or media, mediums or means which are intrinsically worthless to get what he's trying for us to achieve, and that is a sense of self next question, what exactly was this das of Tehiv Ra that Odom had after the chet and he didn't have before? And the answer to that is that what he experienced after the chet which he did not experience before was an actual feeling that he was somebody. He experienced the illusion that he was somebody. And that is Ra. That is what evil is. Evil is when you experience an untruth. And the untruth of course was that in now he experienced Yeshid Mavada in a real feeling that was the Ra that he experienced that was different than what he had before he'd never experienced that before before the Chet he was trying to get that feeling trying to assert himself after the tree he actually felt like he was somebody because he did the Chet so that's the Da's, Tivara, the real feeling of being that one gets from doing the Chet he actually experienced that now how does the tree give this das of tivra? And the answer to that is what ben Bunyoy said, that the tree itself was intrinsically powerless to do that. It had no power to give das tivra. It was called when the Russian commanded Adam not to eat. The reason why it was called the Eitz ha das was Al Shemir Osid, that if you eat from this tree, externally you will get these feelings. But how did he get it? Not because the tree would give you those feelings. The answer is because the merida, the rebellion, is what gave him those feelings. The fact that Odom believed himself to be an independent individual besides the Rabbani therefore he could eat from the tree that God said not to eat from. So the Rabbani Shalom gave him that feeling that he thought he was. You thought you're somebody, you will have the feeling you're somebody. and That is exactly how the Rabbani hides himself from an individual how he's metzamsim himself and hides his innoi muvadoi by you feeling that you are somebody. So it was the merida, the rebellion that gave Oda the feeling that he was somebody since that's what he, why he ate the tree in the first place because he thought he was somebody. So then he felt like he was somebody and that merida, that rebellion is what gave him the feeling that he is somebody. And that feeling that he got came about because the Rabbein Shlum was masked as a result of his chet. He hid himself. God said, in other words, that since you believe you're somebody, I will leave you and conceal myself more. And the Rabbein Shlum conceals his unity by giving you a feeling that you're somebody. So because he rebelled, he got that feeling because when the Rabbein Shlum left him, that's exactly what he experienced, was a sense of self in response to the fact that he was married. So it had nothing to do with the intrinsic value of the tree, it was the external, the Merida, the rebellion itself, that caused him to feel a sense of self because the version was Mas as Midor connected Midor. Now, the last question is, how do we see the entire psychological apparatus manifested in Odom Rishin and the entire creation? Well, we see all the necessary requirements, and remember I had mentioned six. That first there has to be an Odom, and he was, he was Odom Rishon. Then there has to be a Matzav Nisoyim, a Matzav chassan, a state of deficiency, and there was. There was, God hid himself sufficiently for Odom Rishon to be tested. God somehow hid some aspect of himself, or else Odom Rishon never would have fallen, fallen in a test, and never have come to that idea that he is somebody also. So there was a Hesti Yechudoi sufficient for Adam to be tested. The task, of course, of Adam was that he should be Magali he should realize that it's Eneid Mavadoy and that therefore he shouldn't fall into this belief that he is somebody. The Emtsoi, the way that he was able to do it was, of course, the mitzvah of the tree, to eat from the tree or not. This was the wherewithal by which he would recognize in experience that the Bershom was the only thing that is and therefore, right after he would withstand the sign until Shabbos, he was only supposed to withstand the sign until Shabbos, had he not eaten from the tree, then oilam Habor would have been on Shabbos. And this whole 6,000 years of incredible difficulties and so on would never have materialized. So therefore, he had that Nisoyen and he had the wherewithal. He had the mitzvah. This was going to give him the hasaga of Einoi Mavadoy or the Chet of Yeshe Mavadoy. Besides the Emtsoi, he also had Bekhira. Adam Rishan could choose which direction he would take. And besides the Bekhira, Adam had a Yetzar and a taw, as we see from the Khumash. So Adam had all the necessary requirements for Ulum Haba, Ulum Hazamin, in order to bring him to that Nisayin, and if he would have withstood the Nisayin, the temptation, he would then get Ulum Haba, and mankind would have achieved its perfection immediately. However, since he wasn't, he chose evil. Therefore, everything, of course, turned the opposite way. Now, where do we see the psychological structure which I have spoken about manifested in Odom? Well, we see it. Odom Rishon had a taiva to assert himself, to believe in himself, to feel a certain sense of self, independent, to rival God. And the Nohosh, who knew that, addressed himself to that need or urge in Odom Rishon. And what the Nohosh did is he pointed the way that he could do it. So we see the ideas that, which I discussed before, that the need for self-worth, which is fundamental to all human beings, is nothing more than that drive which gets you to want to assert yourself, to confirm yourself. Then that's the fundamental drive. You have the eight Sahara who addresses itself to that drive to give you different ways of doing it. The eight Sahara which is the Hasagah and the desire to know truth, value truth. And to live in accordance with that, Adam Rishon also had. So therefore, we see that the entire psychological apparatus, all the needs, uh, the the different uh, manifestations of Yitzhar and Yitzhar Tov in the Odom, all the different urges, needs in the Adam, was actually existed in Adam Rishon in order to allow him to be put in that position of being tested. So therefore, we see that Adam Rishon was the perfect model that had all the requirements in order to be put in that position of being tested or not. And that's exactly what he was given the test. So these are the different questions with additions of some, and also the clear answers that have come out of the shuram, last week shuram and the previous shuram. Since I'm talking about horror I want to bring one more chazal, which is a very difficult chazal to understand. And the truth is if you look at them, unfortunately, somehow one doesn't feel that they really answer it, you know it, it, it seems to still be very difficult chazal say that it says it says in kriyashma that um you have to assume a bechol bechol so chazal say in the mishnah it's in brochus bechol it is two bays you're supposed to love god with both yateses the yates and the yates that's how you're supposed to love god now that's a very difficult chazal to understand what do you mean you love god with the and yates atoiv I can understand you love him with the eight Tov because he's always getting you in the direction of believing in God and, and doing the mitzvahs and so on. How in the world do you love God or worship the Rav Hashanah with the eight Zahara? The eight Zahara is there only to get you away from the Rav Hashanah. So what does that mean that you're supposed to serve God with the eight Zahara? You serve God with Yitzhah the Yitzhah Zahara gets you not to serve the Rav Hashanah. Now in a fortune I try to give answers but it's difficult to really understand, it's, still, it's not com- satisfactorily dealt with. I'd like to just give uh, attempt to give an answer, just based on certain of principles that we know before. If you recall, the Eighth Sahara gets or tries to get a person to believe in himself by offering him different directions, right? The urge of pleasure, correct? The urge of productivity, that man should get a sense of achievement, thereby getting a sense of self. Pleasure, by exercising his being, getting a sense of self. By possessions, by getting or exercising power, again getting a sense of self. And by accumulating wealth, man derives also a sense of potency. He feels they can do anything because he's got so much money in the bank. But what does the Yitzhahar do with those urges? He wants you to do those urges in order that you should get a sense of self and believe that you're somebody. Right? But wait a minute. We could take those same urges and not go in the direction of self, but go in the direction of the Rav Islam. And how will it look? Well, if somebody takes the urge, for instance, of power and mastery, right? Then let him conquer the Yitzhahora. Let him become a power. That's the urge which will you desire to conquer, to master, in order to get a sense of self. Let him conquer the Yitzhahora. And of course, if he conquers the Sahara, then he will get a sense of the Ribbonishlam himself. But in other words, what the Sahara does is he gives you those urges to go in a, in a certain direction, a belief of self. Use the same Sahara, the urges that he gives you, but don't reach the conclusions he wants you to reach. Use the same urges and reach another conclusion. And what are the urges of the Yitzhahara? And I mentioned four. The urge, for instance, power mastery. Don't achieve power mastery in and possessions and get a, a and reach the conclusion that you're somebody. Be menat se'ach. Get a certain amount of or conquer the Eitzah horror. The uh, the fact that the Eitzah wants you to reach certain conclusions. And if you conquer the Eitzah horror, and you go in the direction of the Eitzah toiv, you will reach the conclusion of Ain Eidelvadoi. In other words, use his urge but don't reach the conclusions he wants you to reach. Use his urge that you want to have power over others, so have power over the Sitra Akhra, the 8 Sahara. And the conclusion of course he reaches the opposite. The idea of achievement, productivity. Again, use the urge of productivity that he gives you, but not to again to have the feeling of achievement and therefore you feel like you're somebody. Use the feeling of productivity by reaching the state of Kedusha, a certain level that a Jew is supposed to reach, Kedusha, okay? That if you reach that level of achievement, then you will get a sense of not self, but a sense of Enid So again, use the urge of productivity, achievement. But what you should achieve is not to get a sense of self, what you should, your sense of achievement should be the achievement of reaching the madrig of tzaddik, that same urge. But don't achieve wasteful things or meaningless things. Achieve becoming an uved, a tzaddik. And if you achieve that, then again you come to that saga of Enid Mavada. Again, contrary to the conclusion that the Yetzirah wants to give you. The derive for pleasure. Don't immerse yourself in this world and get the drive for pleasure <clears throat> or rather experience pleasurable things try to experience if you want if you have an urge for pleasure then experience the pleasure of Rukhli of Vekas what it means to be close to the Rav that spiritual pleasure contentment let that pleasure satisfy your urge for pleasure and of course the conclusion you reach will be in a Muvadari in other words you're using what he's giving you but you're reaching a different conclusion you have an urge for pleasure, so then get pleasure of Vekas. You have an urge for achievement, so then get the achievement of being a Tzadik, Kodesh. You have an urge for power, so then beat Him, master Him. You have an urge for potency, the feeling that you can do something. Well, if you can beat the 8 Zahara and achieve the level of Kedusha and Titkis, then that is the greatest potency of all. Then you really, you have done it. Not, You have done something which you truly have caused. Because in that area, you have khira And you get a tremendous... Somebody who's, who beats the Yitzhara, who, who has power over himself, if he can do that, he can do anything. Because he truly did that. That is his real... He truly caused that effect of being a Tzaddik. So in other words, you beat the Yitzhara at his own game. Use his urges to reach the opposite conclusion. Not the conclusion he wants to reach of... of uh, Yeshid milvadoi, because that's what he wants. He wants to use those urges and pursue pleasure, possessions, money, achievement, like building up great businesses and so on. That's what he wants you to do. So take those urges, pleasure, productivity, power and potency, and you go in the other direction. Get the pleasure of Vakus, the achievement of tzitkis, the power of over the eight Sahara, and the potency knowing that you have truly done that. And you will have reached another conclusion, So Chazal are very right. Serve the Rebbeinu with both yitzis. the the aitzahara and the aitzatoy. Serve him with the aitzatoy because obviously that's what he wants you to believe. And serve him with the Sahara, but not don't reach the conclusion the Sahara wants to get you to believe. But use those very urges which he's trying to get you to follow to reach that false conclusion. You use those urges, those needs that you have. To vanquish the Yetzirah, to become a tzaddik, to get the pleasure of the Vekas and to know that you did it so therefore you fulfilled your urges because if you have an urge you want to fulfill them and you've reached the opposite conclusions so therefore you have served the Rabbanu with the Sahara as well as the Yetzirah so we are now up to Adam Nishan after the Chet and the question of course now is what resulted in the fact that we had a Chet by Adam Nishan What are the different things that happened and of course we all know that the universe had profound changes both in man and in his environment many different things changed and what we really have to do now is go into some of those changes in our quest to know the entire design of the Bria because obviously after Adam changed we now resemble that change much more than we resembled him before the change and it will give us a much greater insight into who we are, what we are, why we are, where we are, after we realize what happened in the Chet. So those fundamental changes are really fundamental changes that continue up to the present. Now, the question of course is, what changed after Odom Rishim did the Chet? Well, there are many things that changed, many fundamental ideas. The first thing that changed, and I had mentioned this previously, but since we are now at the proper place, I'll mention again. The Rebbe Shalom immediately counted Odom Rishon, and he said to him, uh, did you eat from that tree that I told you not to eat? And Odom Rishon of course said, uh, I did, and the that you gave to be with me, and so on, which he said. So the Rebbe Shalom then, of course, punished everybody involved. And he said to Odom Rishon, in the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. Now in order for you to eat bread, in order for you to get a panasa, you now have to work for it. No more free free things. This isn't a, no, no more, uh, this is no more paradise where everything is free. Okay? Now you have to work for it. Now people think, most people think that that was an unish, or rather that the unish was that until now you got everything free, you didn't have to work. And now you're going to have to work for your living. No. The answer is not true. That's not what the Shem told Odomishim. The Rav Shem didn't uh, give him t- 39 makas. Mm-hmm. That's not the form of punishment that the Rav took. The form of pur- punishment that the Rav took is far more profound. And it's the most fundamental principle of history, which I had gone through quite a while back. And that is, what the said to him <coughs> is that, look, until now, you were in a certain test situation, correct? In other words, the Rebbe Hashem said, I concealed myself sufficiently that you should be able to be tested. Eneid Mavadu or Yeshim Mavadu, right? So obviously God has to hide himself to a certain extent. Because if God manifests himself completely, nobody's going to do a chet. It's so obvious what the real direction is. So the Rebbe Shem hid himself sufficient for other mission to be fooled. Now, so Baruch says, look, until now I hid myself a very small amount, let's say 5%. And you had to choose in that 5% of my concealment, e vado, vado. Now that you did the chet, and you believe you're somebody, so the media connected media is that God hides himself more. And if you want to now have a second test, right, It now justice demands... That if you get a second test, it should be harder than the first. Because you are now responsible for the difficulty of the second test. When the Rabunishram made the test, God was the cause of the evil that was found in the universe and the concealment of himself. And he did that because he wanted to put Adam in that matzah. So who is responsible for the deficiency and the evil found in the universe? The Ribanishram, not Adam. Adam Rishon did the head, so all of a sudden he came out with the belief that he was somebody. So he now was responsible for evil coming into the universe, or for that belief coming into the universe. In other words, when he said that I am somebody, the Rabboa concealed himself much more in response, me the connected meeter. And the Rabboa said to him, even though I now give you a second test, however, that test must be harder. Because justice demands that if you fail the first test, then since you caused the difficulty of the second test, therefore <coughs> it is much harder, obviously, for Odom Rishon to do. So therefore the second time around, the second test, was a moedig chesed of the Rav Nishtam, kindness in that he allowed Odom Rishon to keep going. Because the idea is that if automation failed the first test, do why bother with the second test? Man was given his chance, right? He failed. That's the end of the bria. But what the Rebbeinu did is he exercised a of chesed again, and said that even though man does not deserve a second test, because what 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 you know what is this? Another time and another time. I mean, it's like, you know, you take an exam and you fail. Okay, we'll give you another exam, you pass again. Of course, eventually you may pass. I mean, what kind of of position is that? So the truth is that that finality of Chet should have really destroyed the Bria. But the reversion was maschasid with Adam Rishon. It said, I'll give you a second chance. But that second chance has to be fair. It cannot be like the first chance where there was only a minimum amount of evil. So Adam Rishon should be Bercha. Mida connected, mida you believe you're somebody. Therefore, God says He will conceal Himself more. Therefore, the second test situation is now much more difficult than the first test. So the chesed of the Rambam is that there should be a second test, okay, but that test, in in order to uh, conform to yoyshe justice, or hamishkot, Midas hadin, becomes much harder, okay. So Rambam allowed other mision to have a second test. But now it's much more difficult. Since he himself was responsible for making it more difficult, for concealing the Rabbani Islam in the Bria. Now, where do we see that it became more difficult? And that's what Adam... So we see that when the Rabbani said to Adam, Until now, it was much easier for you to see who the true cause of everything is. Because you came at the end. You knew that you didn't put this whole gun this whole garden, Gan Eden, into place, you knew that it was me. So it was much easier for you to realize that I am the true cause. Since, however, you believe now that you're a cause, because you did the chet, I will allow food only to come in response to your actions, so it will look as if you're a cause. In other words, what Rabbi Shalom gave Odom Rishon is the illusion of causality. The Rebbe makes food come only in response to Odom's efforts, so it looks like Odom is the cause. And now Odom has to dispel that illusion. So obviously it's much harder. It is now much harder for Odom to to see the yichud of the Rebbe because he is now being given an illusion of causality, as if he really is the boss. Because for food is only coming when I work, so obviously I'm the cause. So the Rosh made the test harder, how? By giving him the illusion of causality, which means that it's much harder now for Odom Rishon to pass the test and to see Enoid Mavadar. So the fundamental idea, the change that came about in the Bria, the first fundamental change, number one, is that the Rosh gave him a second chance, but that second chance was much harder because it was response to his own actions, connect me the. And the way that action manifested itself was that Adam now had the illusion of causality, which is much more difficult to dispel than he had previously. And that is really the fundamental principle of all history, that every time a person does something, a chet, and again he believes Yeshua Ibn the Reverend makes the universe or history, he gives success to all those different kinds of events and movements that make it appear as if God has nothing to do with the Bria as if God does not exist man keeps creating greater and greater illusions in the world that's the fundamental process of history that every time an Adam does a Chet somehow he creates a greater illusion in the Bria of Yeshed Novadai, and that's Mida Keneged Mida. that's what Adam Rishon realized by, by Bezeh Sapecha Tarech Lechem but in any case means that there is now greater concealment of the Rabbani Shalom and that the Yitzhahara is much more powerful because that's, every time you have a greater concealment, a greater Hester the Sitra Achra has much greater power to fool you into believing that you're somebody that's the, the again one of the profound changes that happen in the Bria as a result of the Chet now, the second thing <coughs> Is that odomitian now felt like somebody there was a feeling of yeishgmu there was a das of Tavan Ra which he did not have previously <clears throat> and remember that das of Tavan Ra is nothing more than the way the Ravenishlam hides himself God hides himself from you by giving you the feeling that he's somebody. you're somebody you 're not maka the ems you 're not maka theishlam. That feeling is the worst thing to have. Like it says in Chazal, that the, like it says in the Gemar, the reversion did not find a better state for client's world than poverty. Anius! What does that mean? The reversion had not found a better Matzah for Christ's world, a better situation for clients world than poverty. And the answer is because if you're a poor man, you're not going to make the mistake that you're somebody. Because your situation shows it to you all the time. Obviously, it shows your limitations. But if you're a rich man, it's much easier to fall. So the truth is that the best condition that a person can be is a condition which will not fool them so many times. And poverty is better off than, of course, uh, wealth. So that's what the Chaza means, that diversion for clients, will, it's much better really for you to be poor because they won't make that error that they're somebodies. They won't become bargyvers. than if they're rich, So the same idea here that Adam now had the feeling that he was somebody and that feeling was given to him in order that the Shem hides but that's raw, that's evil because that's going to make him do a lot of more him. it's going to be much harder for him to dispel that feeling that he feels like somebody it's much harder to come to the MS so that's the next major thing that Odom Rishan had now there are also other things that happened. The, the third thing that happened is that the Yetzirah, which was previously external, now became internalized. The Yetzirah was external to the Odom in the form of a Nochash. He could not influence the physical body in the sense that he was not internal. As a result of the fact that the Yetzirah entered man, because what happened? Mission felt like he was somebody, which is nothing more, right, than the reversion hiding himself. And now all the mission is having that feeling of yesh oid And the Yetzarah is therefore enters the human body. So the Yetzarah is now inside the human body, not outside the human body. Previously it was possible to run away from the nachos. If the Yetzarah is outside the body, you can run away from the nachos, and That's the end of the Yetzarah. Once the Yetzarah became internal as a result of the chet, it was mazdabit to the body. The Yetzarah now had complete control over the physical body. So therefore you cannot run, obviously, away from the Sahara. You take him along wherever you go. You always have the same urges, the same beliefs of self, you carry it around. So the third idea of which happened is that the Yitzhahara became internalized in the Odam. He now carries around the Sahara wherever he goes. Evil now was mezdabe, clings to man, internally, not externally. In other words, the eight now becomes part of the psychic apparatus of man. He now whatever that psychological apparatus is, he now is inside the individual, giving him all those urges and pleasure drives and so on and so forth. This was the third idea that happened. And next week we'll continue on the different things that have, results, repercussions of the Chet of Adam Rishani. So therefore, we're going to continue now with Adam As I mentioned last week, when we think of mankind, we have to think of mankind at two different points of creation. One is before Adam Rishon did the Chet, and the other is after Adam Rishon did the Chet. Because man and his world drastically changed after Adam Rishon did the Avera. Getting back to the idea of Adam Rishon, after he did the Chet, as I mentioned, many things happened of great consequence, of course, to mankind. Now, I had mentioned uh, a couple of the ideas last week, but I'll just go over them very rapidly. The first idea, or the first thing that happened was that man was given a second chance. Now, as you recall, the whole idea was that Odom Rishon would do the mitzvah or not do the mitzvah. This was the whole point of creation. And if he would do this mitzvah of not eating from the tree of uh, of knowledge and Tree of evil and good, good and evil. If he would not eat from this tree for several hours until the end of the sixth day, he would have ushered in ilam haba. And that would be really the end of mankind in the sense of this entire 6,000 year period as we know it. However, other mission did not do that. He did eat from the tree, and therefore he changed or altered a great deal of what was to be. Now, logically, we can ask, if a person has to take a test and he fails it that's the end of it he was given an opportunity he failed the test that's the end of the experiment called man however the rebrand decided to continue the experiment because first and foremost the rebrand is a bar chesed in other words the rebrand wants mankind to earn reward in and get ilm habar it's akin to the father let's say who has 500 million dollars and he wants to give it to his son but he doesn't want to give it to his son for free because then the son will not appreciate the value so what he does is for his son's sake, not for his he makes him work for it so the son will appreciate the value of what he's giving him but what happens if the son doesn't want to work? he goofs off, he fools around who has a greater need? the father has a tremendous need to give his son the money because what he's not interested in keeping five hundred million dollars he wants his son to have a great deal of the reward because he loves his son so therefore he's going to devise a way that he'll get his son he'll give his son a second opportunity to work it's the same idea the Rebbein who loves mankind will not accept the fact that man has failed the first time around so therefore what he'll do because he loves mankind and he's a tremendous bach therefore he will allow man a second opportunity to get reward however The second opportunity now takes on a different form because in the beginning of the world the universe had the sufficient conditions whereby man could be tested and he could either pass or fail. Since however man failed, therefore justice dictates that the second opportunity must be more difficult than the first. You want a second chance? Okay, but it cannot be the same kind of test that you had the first time. The test now becomes harder. The second idea reason or reason why the test has become more difficult is that man himself has contributed to the additional evil in the universe. Since man has sinned, he has increased the power of evil in the universe so that man must be tested in that situation which he himself created. So therefore these two ideas dictate. Or justice dictates that he, if he be tested at all, which is what kindness dictates, but justice says, okay, if you want to test him, that's up to you. You're a Baal Chesed, you're a founder to mankind, okay. But justice dictates that the second test will be harder. So therefore, the test has therefore become harder. This is one of the conclusions or results of man's chet. <clears throat> the second idea which I had mentioned last week which is a very fundamental and an incredibly important yeso'id, is that when man does a sin, what he does is he increases the concealment of God in the universe. Because if you remember, when a person does an avera, a chet, a sin, what he is really saying is that I will do what I want to do, and not what God wants me to do. Therefore he is saying in effect that I am somebody independent of the Rabbani also. So what God said is me to connected me to measure for measure. If you feel that you're somebody and therefore you did a sin, I will remove my presence even more and you will even be fooled more into thinking you're somebody. In other words, the conclusions of man's act or testimony that he feels he's somebody, because he did what he wanted to do, namely go connected the will of God. So God reacts measure for measure you feel you're somebody, I will remove my presence and the illusion that you're somebody will be even greater to you so it's going to be harder for yourself to dispel that illusion that you're really nothing so therefore the consequences of man's chet was the fact that the God hid himself further from the universe and I had mentioned how when God cursed man and he said in the sweat of your brow you will eat bread God was not saying to man, until now you had a free trip, you had Gan Eden where you could pull the apples off and eat what you want. What the Rebbe Shalom was saying to him is that until now, the whole purpose of man's conflict is to see really the own inability of his own power, that he that God is the source of all. However, man refused to see that, Odom refused to see that, so what the Rebbe Shalom did is he increased the illusion of causality. So he said from now on, your Parnasar, uh, uh, the uh, pro- produce of the earth, will only come as a result of your efforts. So it will look as if your efforts actually produced these produce. So therefore, the illusion of causality was created. So now it's much harder for a person to see that he is not that which controls his own livelihood, that it's really the Reboor But again, that principle of B'zeh pecha in the sweat of your brow you will eat bread, means that God conceals Himself even further in other words He conceals the fact that He is the source of all creation and the source of all power by giving man the illusion of causality by making man work for his bread man now thinks that he earns his bread because of his own efforts and of course that's an illusion and he's got to dispel that, he's got to break through that illusion so therefore man by his Avera created the circumstances whereby he is now under a greater illusion and I had mentioned that this is very important because the fundamental determining principle of all history is not what the historians think that there are military causes or economic causes or political causes or whatever what determines the events of history is how in this particular case Jews behave when they're tested every time a Jew does a Chet what it does is God conceals more of himself, which means that he gives success to whatever endeavors are going on in the world that want to destroy the Rabbanu Shalom. For instance, you had um, the rise of major religions was given success because the Jews refused to acknowledge the rabbi Islam they kept doing sins, so therefore the illusion that there are other gods besides the Rabbanu Islam was given success. It's a measure for measure and that is basically the fundamental operating principle of history man causes history to develop man does not find himself in a historical situation he creates his own history every time he does a chet the rabbi moves removes himself further from the briyag giving historical events which want to go against belief in god success that's the way history performs now the third idea is that man actually had a sense of self which he never had before. This was the Ra or the evil that man tasted. In other words, after doing the sin and eating from the tree, man now felt like somebody. Which and that is evil in itself, because it's a false feeling. That man feels like he's somebody independent of the Ramanisham is really a false feeling. And man had this. This was the when you talk about the tree of knowledge of good and evil this is the evil that he now acquired after he ate from that tree. He actually felt as if he was somebody. And since that's contrary to reality, that is the definition of evil. That which is contrary to the reality of the fact that the Rebbe is really the only one who is the source of everything. So that's the third idea. The fourth idea, what changed radically, is that until then the eight Zahara or the evil inclination was external to man in the form of a snake. And therefore, of course, man could escape it. What happened now as a result of the fact that man increased <clears throat> or he did the sin, what he, what happened was that the eight Sahara became internal. It now went into the psyche of man and now can manipulate or uh, have control over the human body in many different urges and many different ways. So the eight Sahara became internalized. You can escape it now. Wherever you go, you drag it along with you. So in other words, the concept that evil now clings to the body of man because man allowed him entrance into his body. And that's the feeling of self that you feel, the urges that you experience. All that is really the influence of this of the Sitra Akra, or the Malhamavas, or the Satan, whatever you want to call them, um, or the nahesh. Before that, he now has shlit over the gulf, And therefore uh, A fourth consequence was the fact that the 8 Sahara, the evil inclination, now became internal and now evil clings to the body of man. I had gone over these four points last week. I now want to continue with several other other points. Besides these four ideas, which was the result of the Chet, each one of course having profound influences on man. I mean, the fact that the eight is now internal reverses or changes the whole psyche, the whole psychological apparatus of man. The fact that there's an illusion of causality in the universe changes the entire ec- external reality framework that we deal with. That unless we go in Mishtadel, unless we work for our living, we don't get anything. Because that's the illusion we must be under. We have to break that. Each one of these things had profound implications in terms of the universe. Now, a fifth idea that changed and from it we see other very important changes is the idea of Zikuch hagov. Now, if you recall I had mentioned previously that before the Nishama comes down to this earth it is a state of Dvekis to the Rabbanish Laram. It is clinging to the Rabbanish Laram in a certain way and that way, of course, has tremendous pleasure that's a great extent of what the Nisham will experience in ilam habar. However, man was placed down on the earth to work so he can remove the embarrassment of receiving all this goodness and pleasure from the Rebbein for free. There's a tremendous sense of embarrassment and loss of self-respect when you receive something for nothing. And if it goes on for eternity, then it's really bad news in that sense. So what the Rebbein Shalom did is he wants you to earn that reward so therefore you will not have this sense of embarrassment or loss of self-respect when he gives the reward. So he will, He wants man to earn or to be responsible for the reward that he gets. So therefore, he took the neshama and placed it into a human body. As a result of that, the original state of divakus, of intimacy with the rabbi nishama, was lost. Because the body is a barrier to the neshamas, the soul's being intimate or close with the rabbi it's a barrier now the Nishama by its very nature has the power to take the body which is physical and to refine the physical substance of the body and sort of almost like make the body glass and we've never seen it done and it wasn't done because this is what happened with oddam Rishan but in any case what was the power of the neshama is the Nishama has the power it's, it's, it's such a strong spiritual entity that if you put a barrier between it and the Rabbanishalam, the Neshama immediately breaks the barrier. That's how powerful it is. And in the case of the human body, what it would have done is it would take the human body and immediately dissolve the physical substance of the body, and the goof, the body would then resemble almost like a glass suit where you see the neshama, if you look at the individual, you see the soul right through that glass suit. The body is almost disappearing in that sense. It's still there, but it has lost its complete ability of physical substance, which is the barrier between the neshama and the rabbi So the rabbi takes the neshama and puts it into this goof because he wants man to work for his reward. But of course what the rabbi did is he denied the neshama the power of taking the physical substance and purifying it. This property or operation called zikochaguf, which means to purify the body, was denied to the Nishama. And that is indicated when the Rav told the moon, l'chi'umati mm-hmm. yis'atzmech, go and diminish yourself. He told the moon to diminish itself, and only the sun should rule. The, that, that alludes to the fact that the, the Rav told the neshama go and diminish yourself means you've got to be in this prison this human body trying to break out but you can't so in other words there's a divine decree that does not allow the neshama to do what it normally could and that is to purify the body now originally what should have been is that odom Rishon should have done the mitzvah the commandment not eaten from the tree and what would have transpired is that the neshama of odom rishan would have completely purified his body. His body would have taken on this whatever glass kind of appearance. It doesn't mean literal, it's the best way I can describe it, because nobody knows exactly what that means when you pure transparency, when you purify a body. But Odomishin would have done that, and he would have gotten Eilem HaBo right then and there. And since the body is transparent, there is no barrier between the Rabbani Shlalem and the Ba' and Nini There's no obstacle anymore because that physical substance is removed however when Oden Rishon did the the Chet instead of doing the mitzvah what happened is that evil or Ra clings to the human body now the Reshma can purify a physical substance it cannot remove evil from the body it can only transform physical substances into such a state where it becomes transparent however Once evil clings to the body, which was a result of the chet of Adam Rishon, the sin of Adam Rishon, it cannot transform the body anymore, or rather, it cannot purify that body. It's got to remove the evil first, and then it can purify the body. So what happened was, what God then decided to do, was He created several new concepts, which was not supposed to exist. The first concept was the idea of death. The second concept was the concept called Tchir the resurrection of the dead. And the third concept was the concept called Gan Eden, Garden of Eden or Ulema Neshamas. Now what does that really mean? What the Rebbe did, since the Neshamah can no longer purify the body, because it, since evil clings to that body, what the Rebbe decided is that man will be placed in a body that, of course, he cannot mezakech or purify this body. Man will divest himself at a future time of this body, and that is called death. Death is nothing more than the separation of the neshama and the guh. That's all it means. Man will divest himself of the physical body that he has. The body will lose its form in the earth, because that's what happens. It returns from dust. Like a reversion told Adam Rishon, <coughs> you are dust, and, and to dust you return. So the body then returns to its former status, namely dust, it loses its surah, its form of as a human being. As a result of that, evil then leaves, or ra, or whatever manifestation that the sitra akhra, the forces of evil have, they leave the body, because it's no more a man, it's no more an odom, okay? And at a future time, the Rebbein will give man a new body, that's Tchya Mason. you see? So in other words, once a person could not purify his body, death was the inevitable result. Death is not a punishment. Death is the inevitable result of the fact that evil clings to the body. The soul cannot purify that body. So therefore the Rosh Lam takes that body away from the Neshama, and that's called death. At a future time, he will give the Neshama a different body, that's called Chis and that body the Neshama will purify. And this is really what these concepts came into being after the Kher. So in other words, it was ordained that people will die, means that the Neshama has to leave the body, because that body cannot be purified in any way. In addition to that, not only does the body have to return back to the earth, because it cannot be purified by the Neshama, and the Rav wants the body and the soul to coexist in Ilm Habar. Man will exist together with his body in the future world. And not like many people think that only the souls will exist in ilm habar in the future world. (coughs) Man will exist with his body in ilm habar. So what happens is that the neshama is separate from the body, which means that is called death. And besides the fact that (coughs) there is death of the body, there's also death of the universe. Chazals say, because the universe itself cannot be transformed, because every time a man does a mitzvah, when Adam Rishim, if he would have done the mitzvah, what would have happened is that his body would have been transformed, transparent, and the universe would have been transformed. The, the uh, physicalness of the universe also would have been transformed. What happened after the Chet, of course, is that neither his body nor the universe can now be changed. So therefore, the Neshama leaves the body, the body dies, loses its form, evil leaves, and man will be given a new body at a certain time. That is called T'ch'i'a Sameis, resurrection of the dead. When the Neshama enters that body again, it will then be able to purify that body because it's a new body. Chazal say in... Mesech the Sanhedrin that the world will last 6,000 years and in the 7,000th years it will be destroyed and after 7,000 years in the 8,000th year it will be renewed it's the same idea because when the soul will purify the body it purifies the universe at the same time so the soul needs a new body and it needs a new environment needs a new universe that's the meaning of that Chazal that the world must be destroyed just like the body is destroyed, and the neshama goes back into the body and the neshama also purifies the universe around it, which is the environment. And that purified body and that purified universe is called ilam habar, and we have no idea of what that universe looks like or resembles. It's something beyond the state that we're in. So far we have an understanding of why there's such a thing called death because the soul cannot purify the body and the soul with its purified body with the purified world would be Olam Haba it can't purify the body so the body has to be removed lose its form, evil leaves given man, the nisham is given a new body and it gets transformed and the world also has to get a new form so we understand the concepts of Misa and we also of both man and the world the destruction of the universe only to be renewed later. Mm-hmm. And we, under the, we understand the idea of Tchir because that's the renewal process. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, so now it comes out that what a person does, every time a person does a mitzvah, he cannot affect his body, which is what he could have done by Odum What he does is that he potentially affects his body in the universe. In other words, he stores up points. It's like a, a, a generator that has a greater and greater charge. Every time you do a mitzvah, a greater charge is given to the neshama. But it can't do it to this body. You do another mitzvah, a greater charge. And you just, the, the neshama gets more and more powerful in the sense of being able to purify the body. <clears throat> but what does not allow it to purify the body is the body itself. When the neshama is given a new body and the says, go and purify it, then it purifies the body in the exact amount of the mitzvahs it collected. You see, so therefore, what happens is that everybody will have different purified—that's right, different states of purified bodies. Exactly, each one's body depends on what kind of mitzvahs he did. So you'll notice then the interesting idea that emerges is that, first of all, you potentially purify the body now; you will actually purify the body when you're given a new body and a new universe, and that's elim and the amount of mitzvahs that you do is the exact amount that you purify the body. And if you do more mitzvahs, then you can purify it more, which means that the body is less of a barrier between you and the rabbi nishlam. You see? So in other words, it comes out that you are responsible for the exact amount of closeness that you have to the rabbi nishlam. You do more mitzvahs, it means your body, your nishama, has greater power to purify the body, not now but later. And the more you purify the body, the closer you are to the Rav Shalom, because the less of a barrier it is. The less mitzvahs you do, it means that you purify the body less, even when you get a body that's purifiable, and it means you are less close to the Rav Shalom. That's what it means. So we see that Zikr Chaguf, the reason why it exists is because the body is the barrier you purify, meaning you remove the barrier, and your ability to remove the barrier depends exactly on the amount of mitzvahs because that's the credits or the charge the amount of energy that you have to actually purify the body now since it was ordained that man must die be given a new body and a new universe later on so what does the neshama do while it's out of the body and waiting because the world continues and the people dying every day right so what does the neshama do while its body has died Therefore the creation therefore okay. a new concept was created which is called Ulaman Shamas. A new place was made. Which call Ulaman Shamus means the world of souls. We call it in popular terminology Ghanadin. That's what Ghanadin is, okay? But in any case what it really is Ulaman Shamas. In other words, there is a place that souls go to after the body dies and it goes there and it waits for the world to end or complete its course. And after it's given a new body, it of course, comes back from Oilem back to the earth, and it arises from the dead. Now, Oilem is not is a place where souls reside, but in that place, each neshama has the exact proportion of closeness to the Rebbeinu Shalom that it earned on earth. But it's still not the same as if it's in the body. In other words. The ultimate reward that any, every soul Neshama gets is when it coexists together with the body in olam Haba. However, when the soul awaits its future body, which it can purify, and it's in what's called the olam HaNeshamas, the world of souls, or Eden, or elyon, that's what it's called, it enjoys or feels intimate with the Rabbani proportionate to the amount that it worked. But it's not the amount that it will receive in olam Haba. Okay, so, so we have several concepts being created or coming into existence as a result of the Chet of Adam Rishon. Death ensues, that's why the Roshim told Adam that in the day you eat it you will die, because you're not going to be able to purify that body which you have. You will have to take leave of that body and wait in the Uleman Shamus, which is the second concept that was created, first death, the second is the Uleman of Gan Eden, and then there will be Tchir Sameisam, which means you'll go back into the human body and then purify that with a new world. and that's habba. See, so several concepts were created as a result of the Chet of Odom Rishon, And these ideas, there was not supposed to be anything called Misa. The soul was never supposed to be separate from its body. Odom should have done the Mitzvah. The soul would have purified the body it was in, never separating. Therefore, there would be no need for death. Gan Eden or Chiesa Mason. No need for any of these things if the soul never separates from the body. However, the soul, man did the sin and therefore all these different concepts have arisen as a result of that. Now, therefore, we now see that these concepts, the concept of Miso, the concept of Gan Eden, the concept of Chiesa Mason, the concept of Chidish Oilum, the, the, the concept of that the world will be renewed and so on, all of these emerge as a result of the Chet of automation. Now, I just want to mention one thing. When I mention the word death, it doesn't mean dying. It means any form of depletion of being, any form of deterioration of being is death. The fact sickness is also misa. Any form of, of a deficiency or deterioration of any being whatsoever is what's meant by the idea of death. The ultimate death, of course, separation of the neshama and the body. But what death in the total sense means, anything which negates or uh, denies some aspect of existence, disease is one of them. Pain is another. Any one of these ideas, which somehow removes some aspect of a person in any way, deteriorates a person, is part of the idea called death. However, the the uh, simple idea, of course, Miso, the ultimate idea, is the complete separation of the shama and body, which is the complete negation of human being. Then it's no more a human being. An Ashoma by itself is not a human being. A human being is the idea which composes, which means the composite of an Ashoma and a Guf. That is a human being. And uh, a body, that's right. Without a body, it's not a human being. It's a soul. a different kind of entity. we've seen that several ideas do develop. Now, since I'm talking about different time periods of Mies and so on, I would just like to mention that as a result also of these ideas, after the Khet, you have different death, and you have resurrection, and you have different things going on. Man is judged at three times. Man is judged on Rosh Hashanah, he's judged after he dies, and he's judged when the universe is all over. Now, man is judged every year because depending on his actions every year that sets up a different kind of test situation for the next year No, it's God periodically or annually decides the structure of man's test every year okay that's the first reason of, of, of judgment that's Rosh Hashanah the second time man is judged is after he dies and that he's judged on the sum total of all his actions while he was alive, if he's good, if he's bad, and so on. The third time man is judged is when the universe is completely destroyed and then everything in creation is judged. Now you'll ask me why does he have to be judged a third time since he was judged after he died and that should have ended it all. And the answer to that really is obvious. What happens if a person writes a book that's full of atheistic ideas and then he dies. So, when you judge a man, you're not only going to judge him for the sins that he did, but what about all the evil influences that his book is doing while this man is dead for a thousand years? right? Take, take like Freud. He wrote Moses' Monotheism, which is an incredibly atheistic book. It just picked one. You know, Freud is not going to get punished when he dies. He's going to have to wait until all the incredible the amount of people became atheists as a result of his, his book. He's going to collect the 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 punishment for every single person who became an atheist. The judges man at the end of mankind, at the end of the entire universe, because he is personally responsible for all the good he did through the end of time, and all the evil he did through the end of time. What happens if somebody sat down with somebody made him from, and as a result of his influence? This individual is religious and his his children and children and children all the way down. So this one man could be responsible for 14 generations of righteousness. He's got to get part of that credit also because he influenced the first one and so on. Therefore man is judged actually at the end of time to completely take into account every single evil and all good that came out of his actions. And of course you obviously have to wait until the end of time until that happens. So therefore man again is judged these three times. Now I just wanted to preface that when a person dies he does not necessarily go to Ghaned. I'm merely saying that there's a place that the soul stays until it awaits the resurrection of the dead. However, however, the soul may go other places depending if it did a tremendous amount of evil. Okay? If it did, and I'll just preface it with one word. There are one of two places an individual winds up. Either he winds up ceasing to exist, or he winds up in Ulum mm-hmm. There's no other place. Either a person in, makes it Ta'ilum haba, or if he doesn't make it Ta'ilum haba, then he's never He ceases to exist. <laughs> Cessation of existence. What does it mean when we say that a person ceases to exist even though his soul is immortal, we mean very simply that the substance of the soul is immortal. However, the fact that the substance is an individual, separate from God, that is created. Okay, so when God takes away the existence of the neshama, what he does, he merely brings it back to himself, and it loses its individuality. The concept of self disappears and the substance of the soul now becomes part of God itself, you see? So in other words, wait, so in other words, let me just continue, in other words, the uh, Neshama eventually, at the end of everything, either goes to Ulam or ceases to exist, and cessation of existence means that it loses itself, and therefore its Choyma, whatever it's made of, goes completely back to the banishlam. Now. If the Rebun judges a soul that it's worthy of Olym HaBor, however, the, the soul did evil acts while it was in the earth, so it has to be Nischapeh, it has to atone for these evil acts. So there are different directions in a can go. One of, one of the directions it can go is to come back to this earth. It can reincarnate. Another direction that the soul can go is that the soul can go to what's called Gehenna. And Gehennem is a spiritual process which somehow removes the influence of evil on itself and enables the Neshoma then to go to Gan Eden. So Gan Eden is sort of like this last stop after it's gone, through all the different ways that it will remove any of the evil influences, and as a result of that, it waits until Tchis That's basically it. The topic is much greater, much more detailed and the topic is really for a much later discussion, way down the line. This is more or less, we discussed several ideas, the idea of what resurrection of the dead is, what death is, what Gan Eden is, before it gets to Gan Eden, where it goes, the idea of the fact that the universe is renewed. These are basically very fundamental ideas about Judaism that many people do not know. What I wanted to show you is the harmony of it all that you don't have death and Eden and Chis what does this all have to do? But now you begin to see that all these concepts emerged logically and harmoniously after the Chet of Odom Rishon, that each that Chet dictated these different things coming into being in order to finally complete what the entire idea of man's purpose is. Now, until now we've gone through different effects of the Chet of Odom Rishon. I want to now talk about the last effect of Odom Rishon, and that is Chet is Sin. I want to now talk about the last idea, or rather that I want to talk about because there are more, and that is the idea of the Mashiach. Now if you recall, the Rabboni Shalom put in the Bria, in the universe, a certain amount of concealment of His presence, because we know that if God openly reveals His presence, then automatically you cannot do a chet. It's not possible, because it's obvious what the truth is. So, God conceals a certain aspect of His presence in order that we should therefore think that we may be able to do a chet and get away with it. As a result of that, He also created an evil force to tempt man the reverse way. So, we've got two ideas. (laughs) hesti Yechudo, which means the concealment of the idea that He is One, or well, he's the source of all, that's what it means. And the idea of Ra, evil, which is the idea of a force that represents or tries to tempt man to sin. Now, in the beginning of time, before Adamushin did the Chet, while Adamushin was sitting there deciding if he eat from, the, eat from this tree, there was a minimal amount of Hester, of concealment of God, just enough to give Odom that illusion that he can eat from this tree and maybe it's also not bad. Also what was present was a minimal amount of temptation. Believe it or not, Odom Rishon stood exactly in between a force of good and a force of evil. It's not like today where evil is so predominant. He was in a true balance, a shekel, a true balance between good tempting in one's way, and I had gone previously what the 8th Tov is, what the inclination of good is, previous shuram, in other words, he stood in that balance between the sahar and the the good inclination the evil inclination. This was previous to his doing the Chet. <clears throat> in addition to that, before he did the Chet, the sin, who is the one who concealed, who is responsible for the concealment of God and the fact that there is an evil influence in the universe? Who is responsible for that? The Rabbani not Adam. He was placed in the universe that had already, de facto, a concealment of the presence of God, an evil influence, correct? In order that he should be able to do a chet, if he so chooses. However, after the chet, what happened was that Odom believed in himself, if you recall what I had spoken last week about the whole conflict of Odom Rishon. Odom Rishon did the sin, what he was really saying with that, is that I am also somebody and I can do what I want. I can do my will, not God's will. And in other words, he. what he was testifying is to the belief of his own independence away from God, his own independence of self as a true being distinct from God. So the Rabbi Shalom said, God says, okay, in response to your belief, I will now conceal myself further because... You believe you're somebody, I will now give you the illusion even greater that you're somebody, and I will hide myself. Besides that, evil, the evil influence, the Yitzhah, became internal. So then, who was responsible for the addition of the concealment of the Rabbani Islam and the, uh, the increase in the amount of evil in the universe? Odum was. Not the Rabban Islam was. Odum was responsible now for an additional concealment of God's presence, as well as the addition of more evil in the universe, correct? Therefore, it is now required two levels of work, of avidah, of service. Man has to go back, man has to undo the evil that he contributed to the universe and the concealment of the presence of God that he contributed, so he has to get back to the level of odum Rishan, And when he's back on the level of Odomenishin means he's now in the amount of evil and concealment that God contributed and he's got to work himself out of that. There are now two levels. He's got to get rid of the amount of kilkol or destruction that he has contributed to the universe and when he's gotten rid of that he now can get rid of the final concealment and evil that God has put into the universe. So there are two levels. Because Adam did the Chet, he created the second level where he contributed to a further concealment and a greater growth of evil. So therefore, he's got to undo what he made, and then he's got to undo what the Rabbanu made. Two levels of Avvaita, right? Okay. Since there are two levels of Avvaita, right? There are two levels of work to get rid of what we did and then to get rid of what the Rabanishlam did, which is the original status of Adam Rishnam. Therefore, as a result of that, two purposes, the two levels, dictated two different purposes. man has to achieve two different purposes. Now, Ode Morishan was supposed to really do several things. He was supposed to do the mitzvah, and therefore he would have been do- done what? He would have purified his body and the entire universe, as I had mentioned. He also would have removed evil, and he would have brought the Rabbanu back into the universe and God would have then revealed Himself completely and that would have been Ulam Haba Had Adam did the mitzvah and what he would have said or what he, was really de- he would have declared had he done the mitzvah is that I will do your will because you are the only one that exists and not me by saying that kind of statement God would have then responded the way he always responds you say that I am the only one that exists I will respond in that direction. I will now reveal myself and you will see that I am the only one who exists. God acts in response to man's action. Just like a chet, a sin, furthers God away from the universe, a mitzvah brings him back into the universe or reveals his presence even more so. So Adam Rishon, what he would have done, he would have removed evil and brought the rabbinic back into the universe. And that would be Eilim Habar. So it comes out that Adam Rishon, had he done the Mitzvah, would have ushered in Oilem which would have begun on Shabbos, the end of the 6th day. Since he failed, he failed to do that. What he then brought into concept, or rather what had to have been created, was a new idea. Adam Rishon was the first Mashiach. Now what is a Mashiach? A Mashiach means an anointed one. It comes from the Hebrew word, Meshua, to be anointed. Had Adam Rishon did the mitzvah, he would be the Messiah, which means that he would bring back the presence of God and the rabbinical would be revealed throughout the Bria. No more concealment of God's presence, no more evil tempting you away from that. That would be gone. The one who does that is the Messiah. Since Adam Rishon, if he would have done the mitzvah, would have brought the revelation of the presence of God back into the universe completely, and that's what Olam ha he would have been the Mashiach. However, since he didn't do that, therefore it was necessary for it to be given to somebody else, not to Odom Rishon. You know, there's a Medrash that says that Odom Rishon looked into the future and saw that Dovr ha David, David, the king, was going to die at birth. He was supposed to live a thousand years. So, the, so Odom Rishon says, He's got, you know, why is he going to die so young? Let me give him 70 of my years. So that's why Odom died at 930 years, not at 1,000. He was supposed to live one day because God said, in the day you eat it, you will die at the end of the day and one day is equivalent to 1,000 years. Since Odom Rishon gave part of the day or rather 70 years to David Hamela, he therefore died at the age of 930. But what does that medrush really mean? Why did he give those years to David? Because what is David? David is the forerunner of the Mashiach. What he was doing, he was giving life, or he created the concept of the Mashiach ben David. That's what it means that he gave 70 years to David, Because he failed to bring the presence of the Rabboni Shalom back into the Bria, he now had to give life to another person, and he would bring the Rabboni Shalom back into the Bria. And it started with Dovara HaMelech, the kingship of Dovara HaMelech. And of course the final end of that would be the Mashiach ben David. So we, we see that Odom Rishon is giving the ability of the Mashiach ben David to exist because he comes from Dovra Melech. Why? Because he was supposed to have done it. Now he must create the concept for somebody else to do it. And that's why he gave 70 years to Dovra Melech. Now, now, besides the idea of Mashiach ben David, which Odom Rishon now gave, the impetus, there's another Mashiach coming, and that's the Mashiach Ben Yosef. Now, most people are not familiar with the Mashiach Ben Yosef. They have no idea who he is, what he is. Most people have never even heard of him. The Messiah, the son of Joseph. However, next week, I will begin going into further the entire ideas of the Mashiach and the Mashiach Ben Yosef and what he's supposed to do. There's not really time now. So, we'll have to wait next week for the entire presentation.